Hey, how we doing? Okay, I'm going to try that again, okay? How we doing? Okay, okay, that was a little bit better. Um, hey, my name is Austin Payne. I'm stoked to be here with you guys. I uh, originally am from the Bay Area. I was born in Santa Clara. Any, any Bay Area people? I know there's a Sacramento church here, right? Okay, all right. And uh, a, a couple folks from Folsom, I believe. Okay, hey, what's up? Uh, my my brother-in-law Wesley Finkmeyer and <laughs> yeah, and my sister-in-law Moj. Uh, they're they're I, w- I wish they were here, but uh, I I was lived up there for a short period of time and then went down to Lake Arrowhead. Uh, lived there for about seven years and then my family moved down to South America. Uh, when I was about seven years old, we moved down to a place called Quito, Ecuador. And I grew up down in South America as a missionary kid. Not much changed for me except the sport that I was playing. I'm a big baseball fan. I'm a huge San Francisco Giants fan. Um, heyo, I'm a big Raiders fan. I know that one's like hit or miss, right? People are like, and you love Jesus? Yes, it is possible. Um, and, but I, I grew up playing soccer down in Ecuador. We had a bunch of pets growing up for some reason. It, was just, it kind of felt like an animal shelter coming in and out. We had like a dog, two parrots named Dumb and Dumber. Uh, my, my dad brought home a monkey at one point in time that we named Chime, which in some local tribal tongue means monkey. Um, we were super creative children, named our monkey, monkey. Uh, a couple cats. It was just, it was a blast. I'm the youngest of four. Um, and I, we, I graduated high school down in Ecuador, came back to California. I went to Biola University, um, studied there, played soccer there, and then kind of bounced around for a while, ended up on the Central Coast for a little bit, was in San Luis Obispo, Atascadero area. We're just hitting all of the churches here, all represented. Uh, and then I'm down in San Diego now. And so I'm, I'm married to my wife, Paige Payne, um, she's up in the balcony up there. Everybody say hi, Paige. <laughs> she hates this right now. Um, but yeah, Paige and I have been married a little bit over three years now. We have a daughter named Piper, and she will be the one bundled up in all pink at all times and with the biggest wave, and she's just the biggest ball of energy. Um, she's about 16 months old and just... We love Piper to death. And so if you see us walking around, please come say hi. Um, give Piper a high five. We, we want to hang out with you guys this weekend, and we're just stoked to be here. Isn't this place awesome? Like, look at this set. There's like a 40-foot mushroom behind you. You knew you signed up for winter camp. You didn't know you signed up for this. And, and this place is just special. I love Hume. Uh, I love coming to this place. I was on uh, summer staff here for a couple of summers. I actually met my wife, Paige, up here. She went back to college. I was living in Newport Beach, and then she moved back to California. We fell in love. We got married down in Cabo. We're both uh, on staff at a church down in San Diego called North Coast Church now. And yeah, she's, she is a, an amazing woman, and we're just both stoked to be here this weekend with you guys and, and dive into God's word. And this place is just awesome. I, I love Hume. And I promise you this this weekend. I love that the, the band just prayed this even as they walked off stage. They said, don't miss the divine appointment this weekend. Like that as this, I promise you this weekend's gonna be fun, right? Like you, you pull up on your buses or in the van or whatever vehicle you drove up here and you see this winter wonderland, there's no doubt in my mind that you're gonna have fun this weekend. Right? You're gonna play broom hockey, like there's these incredible dramas happening up here, this band is nuts, right? Like everything about this weekend is gonna be awesome. But don't miss what God wants to teach you this weekend. Don't miss the opportunity 
that you have to meet the God of the universe, that we're gonna dive into this book, and this book right here, this is the greatest story ever told, that's hardly ever told in its entirety. At Genesis through Revelation, this is 66 uh, books written by 40 different authors over a span of 1,500 years on three different continents written in three languages telling one great story. And whether you've been around the church for forever, or maybe somebody dragged you here, and you, you, you came for the broom hockey, or you came for the snow, or you came to just hang out with friends, and you didn't know that the Bible and worship was a part of this package deal. Right? Whether you're on the spectrum, or you've, man, you, you, just, you were born in the church, right? and you can't get enough church, and you've always been a church, and this is your umpteenth camp, or this is your first time ever here, I promise you God has something for you this weekend. He wants to show up for you, he wants to teach you. He wants to demonstrate something to you. And so I love that Harrison even in primed the pump with this saying, before you go to bed tonight, again, whether you, you, sh you showed up here already going, I, absolutely I believe in God, absolutely I know who Jesus is, or you're sitting here tonight going like, I don't know about this whole God thing. Let me tell you, this is the coolest place to have those kind of doubts. You, you can sit here, you can go to, go to uh, cabin time tonight, you can sit and, with a leader and ask a question, go, I don't even know if I believe in this God, I don't know if I believe in this Bible. Right? What a cool place of honesty to start. But friends, don't miss what God might want to show you or teach you or show up for you. Don't miss it. And so if you have a Bible with you, or if you went to the back and got a Bible, open up to uh, a teensy tiny book in your Old Testament called Jonah. Right? Your Bible has an Old Testament and a New Testament, your Old Testament. Right? Jonah's kind of in the middle of your Bible. If you find the big book Psalm, and then just start flipping to the right, right? You'll, you'll see a book called Joel, and then Amos, and then Obadiah. You can also open up to the... Uh, Table of contents in the, in the front of your Bible, right? Use the little cheat code there. Open up to the book of Jonah in my Bible. Let's see here. It is page 1051. Is that helpful for anybody? No? You're not, it's not the same as mine? Okay, fine. Um, if you have it, if you're open to Jonah already, awesome. If somebody next to you has it, lean over with them and look on Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. Read with me. Hey, Jonah says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Hey, if you're a note taker, if you're somebody who likes to mark up your Bible with a, a, a pen, just take your pen. Right? And if you're like, is that okay? Yes, that's okay. Okay, you can, you can do that. Hey, circle a couple of words for me here. Circle the word came. The word of the Lord came to Jonah son of Amittai, circle the word go to the great city of Nineveh, and then circle the word preach against it because of its wickedness, underline that, has come up before me, okay? There, there's something I want to make clear before we dive into the rest of this story, and it's this, and we're gonna repeat this a couple times throughout the course of the weekend, and so it, it, it's this, the book of Jonah, the Bible in, in its entirety, this isn't just a story about what happened, it's a story about what happens, Okay, the Bible is not just a book about what happened. The Bible is a book about what happens, okay? So the Bible is not a book about what happened. The Bible is a book about what happens, 
Okay, so what this means is, did this actually happen? Absolutely, you can take that to the bank. Okay? But when we study the God of the Bible, we're not just studying a God that accomplished something in the past, we're studying the character of a God so that we can understand how he operates today. If he operated like that back then, he operates like that today, we can bank on that. So when we understand that here in the first two verses, we see that God is a God that pursues, and if we understand that the Bible is not just a story about what happened, the Bible's a story about what happens, then we can know confidently that God is a God that pursues. Hey, how do I know that? Hey, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. God says, my word will come to you, Jonah. God is a God that pursues. And he says, go to the great city of Nineveh. He's going to use Jonah or Jojo, right? Remember Jojo, the the big, tall uh, gnome in our story? He's going to use Jojo to say, I want you to accomplish my purposes. My heart is to reach my people, and I'm going to use you to do it. So the word of the Lord comes to Jonah, and he's a God that pursues, and he says, I want you to go and preach. I want you to go to my people. God is a God not, not just that pursues Jonah, but he's a God that pursues the people of Nineveh because its wickedness has come up against me. That's a bold claim. Anybody ever been wronged before? Anybody, how many of you have siblings? Hey. Anybody, anything, like you feel like something's been done specifically against you, right? Your sibling does something and they don't just do it like to bother like the family. They do it specifically to get at you, right? You ever been there before where it's like your sibling does something and then maybe they give you that look and you're like, you didn't, right? Like, it's like that moment you're like, this means war. <laughs> like, especially if you share a bathroom, <laughs> it's like, it just elevates it to the next level. If like, you know that if they leave that like toothpaste grime in the sink, like it just gets you and they like spit extra high on the sink, like just to leave it there. And then you come in and you're like, Jessica, right? <laughs> like, I don't even have a silly name, Jessica. I don't know. If your name's Jessica, spit down the sink, okay? But like when you feel like you've personally been wronged, like it, it's, it's different. It's, it hits different when it feels like it's against you. But when you look at the wickedness of the world around you, which it's not hard to see, right? Like n- nobody turns on the news or nobody opens up a newspaper if you do that anymore. Anybody still like old school and sit on the porch? My man, okay? It like reads the newspaper. Like if you look around at the world around you, it's not hard to see that there's brokenness or that there's wickedness in the world. But when was the last time you, you like Googled something or were reading an article or watching CNN or Fox News or CNBC or listening to a podcast about like some evil going on in the world and you felt like personally slighted? Like, that's not really a thing, right? You don't read about, like, something happening in the Middle East or, or something going down in China and going, like, this hurts my personal feelings, right? Like, and I get it, right? Like, 2022, like, woke everything. Like, I understand you might go, like, I take this personally. I get that, right? But I'm, I'm, when we read something about wickedness going on in a foreign land, we don't go, like, this is personal, Jessica, right? Like this is the same with a toothpaste. Like it's, it's not like that. And yet, for some reason, in Jonah chapter one, verse two, when God references the wickedness of a foreign land, he doesn't just say, Jonah, I want you to go and, and preach to these Ninevites and preach against their wickedness and call them out on their wickedness. No, he says this, 
He says, I want you to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, it seems as if God is taking this personally, that it's not just wickedness, it's not just sin, it's not just brokenness. God's going, this is a personal slight. Their wickedness has, has, it's coming against me. And when we look around in the world, like it's, it's not hard to see that there's sin, that there's brokenness. Any of you have little siblings, like little itty bitty ones? Anybody have like nephews and nieces, little cousins? Okay, I, I just have the one daughter, Piper, you'll see us around this weekend, but I have uh, 12 other nephews and nieces. And the oldest one is eight years old. So when we get together for holidays and stuff, it's like utter chaos, right? It's just like herding cats. Like the adults just gather in a circle. It's like a UFC octagon. And we're like, all right, children, like don't, don't hurt each other too bad. Like it's just, it's just utter chaos. But if you've ever been around kids when they're playing, right, I just watched this happen with a couple of my nephews. They like pull out all the trucks, right? You got like the bin with like all the different sizes and shapes of the different trucks. And one nephew right, pulls out one of the trucks and he's like, and he's like playing with it. And then the other nephew comes up and he goes, what, what word does he use? Mine. Mine, okay? And like, I want you to believe the best in my siblings here. Can you do that? Yes? Like, my siblings, they're, they're, they're incredible parents. They're not perfect, but they're really, really good parents, okay? No parent in their right mind is like, okay, listen, Xander, um, when you are playing with a truck, and then when you look over and you see Ethan playing with that same truck, I want, what I want you to do is I want you to walk over, I want you to snatch it, and repeat after me, mine, mine, good. <laughs> So proud of you, it's my boy, right? Like nobody does that. Like that's not good parenting 101. And yet it happens, right? You see it happen all the time. Like you see kids playing, there's like 47 trucks in a bin and homie picks out one of them and he's like, and the other one walks over and goes, mine. And I'm watching that and I'm like, oh, you're wicked, right? Like Nineveh ain't got nothing on you, boy. Like this, that's messed up, right? Like there's 47 other trucks you could have taken and like, like sin is not hard to see, right? Like I have a 16 month old and it's really, friends, it's like really weird to start watching like sin nature happen. Like we're starting to teach Piper the word no, like trying, right? The first year of parenting, like when you have a kid someday, hopefully maybe if that's like something that you wanna do, if you get married and wanna have a kid someday, awesome. But the first year is just like basically keeping something alive, right? You're like sleep, eat, change poopy diapers, right? Like parents in the room, am I right? Like the first year is like, hi, what do I do? <laughs> like, I don't know. And then like, uh, the, the couple months into the second year of life, you start to have to like parent and we're like starting to read these books and stuff because the other day, like she'll go over to my dog's dog food and like put it in her mouth and I'm like, no, like don't eat that. And like the first year it was like, ha, ah, like keep it alive. <laughs> but now it's like starting to parent because I'll watch her do this. I'll go, Piper, no, don't do that. And then she'll be like, oh, okay. And then she'll look at me and she'll like get that look in her eye and she'll be like, and I'll be like, Piper. And she's like, and she does this run, right? Like, as if she's fast. <laughs> like, this is her walk. And then her run is like, it's like so inefficient, right? But she thinks she's Flash Gordon. Like, she thinks she's fast. And she walks over and she'll like, I'll be like, Piper, no. And she's like, picks it up. And I'm like, Piper. She's like. And I'm like, like walk over and, I, and I'm like, Piper, we talked about this, right? Like little, little like flick to the hand. She's like, yeah, 
I'm sorry. Right? I'm like, okay. Like, and then it's like not 30 seconds later, it's like, Piper, no. And I'm like, ah, golly. Like, it's weird to watch wickedness in such a cute little bundle of a human, right? It's like, it's weird to see. And yet you and I, right, like 14, 15, 16, 18 years old, like we do the exact same thing. We're just better at masking it. Right, like our, our own sin is pretty obvious and, and we might not be like walking up to other people going like mine, right? Or we might not like get that sly look in our eye, but like we just, we're better at hiding it. Right? And sin is this, right? Like easily defined is sin is this. Based off of Jonah chapter two, right? Remember God said, Nineveh's wickedness has come up against me, right? So sin is this, if you're taking notes, it's any thought, word, action or attitude that goes against God's design for us. It's any thought, word, action, or attitude that goes, that fundamentally goes against God's design for us, okay? But remember, what did we see in Jonah chapter one, verse one? God is a God that, what? That pursues. God is a God that pursues. And if the Bible's not just a story about what happened, it's a story about what happens and we can know that God is a God that pursues Jonah. God is a God that pursues Nineveh. That also means that God is a God that pursues us, right? And we see it all the way back to the beginning of this book. In Genesis chapter two, right? Sorry, Genesis chapter three, we see the fall of man. And in Genesis, right, when Adam and Eve, the very first human beings that ever walked the earth, when they chose a thought, word, action, or attitude that fundamentally went against God's design for life, which we call sin, right, when they chose autonomy, they chose to do life their way instead of God's way, right, God, the, the first words that are uttered out of his mouth are, where are you? And it's not like the God of the universe lost Adam and Eve, Right? Like this wasn't like a, a game of cosmic hide and seek. Right? God wasn't like, well, shoot, I left him right here. Right? Like he's God. He always has been. He always will be. He's all knowing. He's in all places at all times. Right? The God of the universe, when he said, where are you? Right? This, is, this is like the question that your parents ask you. Like, did you hit your brother? and like your palm, it, like the, the print is like still on their face. Like the question is not, did you hit your brother? It's a, it's a, a beckoning for relationship. Right? When he says, where are you? He knows that their thought, word, action, or attitude has already gone against his design and it's the God of the universe pursuing from the very beginning of the Bible. And we're gonna see it here in Jonah where the word of the Lord comes to Jonah and God pursues Jonah, right? And like, spoiler alert, like if you haven't been around the church for very long, right, like this story is very simple. It's like, it's, it's four chapters. You could read the entire thing tonight and it's kind of a bizarre story. But basically, right, you saw a little bit of it today. Here's what happens. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah and he says, go to Nineveh. Right? But here's the very next verse. It says this, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Okay? If your Nineveh-Tarshish geography is a little bit rusty, let me help you out. Okay? Nineveh is modern-day Iraq. Okay? Tarshish is modern-day like Spain. Okay? And if your Iraq-Spain geography is a little bit rusty, let me help you out. Okay? Basically, God said, I want you to go to San Francisco and I want you to preach to the people of San Francisco. And Jonah said, you got it. And he went to Tijuana, okay? 
like he, he turned around and he went the opposite direction. Hey, and in Jonah chapter one, we're gonna see that as he gets on the ship to go the opposite direction that God asks him to, right, it's not gonna go well for him. A massive storm is gonna hit. They're gonna throw him overboard. He's gonna get swallowed. In the original text, in the Hebrew, it says he's swallowed by a giant fish, which we kind of assume to be a whale. Right? He gets swallowed by this giant fish. Chapter two is this really cool conversation between Jonah and God, Right? which, get this, Okay, this struck me as I was reading this passage this week. Get this, when Jonah was tossed overboard, okay, I don't know about you, but I've never jumped overboard on a boat and assumed that I was gonna be swallowed by a big fish. Anybody else? Right, like you weren't on the delta, like going skiing and thinking like, like when you jumped in with your wakeboard, like here goes, here, here I come whale, right? Like that, that was, that's not your thought when you get tossed overboard. So when Jonah's getting tossed overboard, what does he think's gonna happen? He thinks he's gonna die. Hey, when Jonah's getting tossed overboard, the very last thing he did was a direct act of disobedience, a thought, word, action, or deed that fundamentally went against God's design. What is God's design for Jonah right now? To go where? Nineveh. Where does he go? Tijuana. Hey, homie goes the opposite direction, and when he gets tossed overboard, he thinks this is it. This is the end. And yet, we know that God is a God that what? pursues, and God is a God that will accomplish his intentions, and God is a God that his heart is for his people, and so he pursues Jonah yet again and saves him in kind of a weird way, not in the way that he thinks he's going to be saved, but he saves him through a whale, through a big fish, and in chapter two, he's going to have this really funky conversation with God, and then chapters three and four, he's going to end up in Nineveh preaching this good news that there is a God that pursues. Hey, but there's a reason he didn't want to go to Nineveh. And it wasn't just because he, he had these thoughts, words, action, or attitudes that he just personally chose to go against it. No, it was because the people of Nineveh had hurt him. The people of Nineveh had hurt his people. This was God asking him to go to the very people that he said, they don't deserve you, God. This was him making the conscious decision that his sin, his thought, word, action, or attitude was different than their sin. See, here's, here's the problem, friends. It's really easy for us to start thinking that I'm not really that bad. And if I start thinking that I'm not really that bad, then it's really easy to start assuming that he's not really that good. Right? I struggle with this all the time. Wanna know why? Comparison. It's very easy to find somebody around me that I look at their life and I go, well, they're way worse than I am. So I'm not that bad. So as Jonah's struggling with this decision of, do I go to Nineveh, do I not go to Nineveh? You know what? Headed to Tijuana, going the opposite direction. The comparison is so strong in him and the hurt is so real in his life that he goes, God, you can't be a God that pursues them. You can be a God that pursues me, but you can't be a God that pursues them. In the sin that's present, the wickedness that's present in the Ninevites life, that might be obvious wickedness. It might be obvious sin. Right? Remember the backyard gnomes that were like dancing and wearing all the Hawaiian shirts? Right? Like there was like the representation up here of the Ninevites. Like their sin was so blatant and obvious 
but it was still sin. And Jonah, he has just the, the same sin, right? It might look differently, it might manifest itself differently on the outside, but he is just as sinful, he is just as broken, and God is just as pursuant of Jonah as he is of the people of Nineveh. See, we see here in Jonah chapter one, the word of the Lord coming to Jonah and Jonah deciding to go to the opposite direction. And we see these three words. We see God came to, to Jonah. He, he asked him to go to the city of Nineveh. And he asked him to preach. Yeah, but here's the question I wanna ask you. When it comes to sin, when it comes to brokenness, when it comes to this comparison game, Hey, maybe you view the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, maybe you've been around church for long enough, maybe you view the Bible as this compilation of letters and this angry God maybe. Maybe when you, when you saw this door open and the, the gardener walk out, you, you saw this representation of a God coming out and going and, and almost looking down in this disappointment going, you're, you're broken, you're sinful, you know who you are, you know what you did. Maybe even this last week, maybe it was a conversation you had even before you came up here. Maybe it's an, an internet history that you know is, is waiting for you back home, right? There's no service up here, but you know the second that that thing comes back on, if you looked at your internet history, if you were honest with yourself, if you looked in the mirror, you would know that there's this, this brokenness there, even within your own life. And maybe you, you look at this book and you think of church and you think about Christianity and you think about places like this and, and Christian camp and you think about this God character and you know that there's this brokenness and this distance inside of you, but I wanna ask you the question, what if God's heart was for you? What if God is a God that pursues and he wants to pursue you and you're not too far gone? Or, or, or maybe you know, or you've known in the past that God is a God that pursues, and he's pursued you before, and you've experienced it way in the past, but it's not true for you now. Friends, what if the heart of God was for you? I, my, one of my nieces, Emma, um, I was, like I said, I was mo most recently up in Washington, and I, I got to watch my, my little niece, Emma, who's not so little anymore. But when she was about three years old, uh, I was at my sister Amber's house and I got to watch this unfold as the uncle, right? Which is a brilliant position to hold in life because you get to have all the fun and then like none of the responsibility, right? You like you get to wrestle and then like tears happen or a poopy diaper happens and you're like, peace, I'm out, right? Like that's, it's like the role of an uncle. It's a beautiful thing. Okay? And I was sitting back hanging out and Emma, um, she's like all pink, bedazzled, pretty princess, everything. And, and homegirl has like the biggest personality of all time. And so she's, she's walking up to the counter and you know when like a, a toddler can like reach the top of the counter like kind of, but like not quite. They're like on their tippy toes like reaching and th th they can like kind of reach what's on top, right? This is Emma and she's like on her tippy toes reaching and there's a, um, like a little sippy cup full of milk. And um, kids like love milk, right? <laughs> like if you've ever been around a kid, like whenever I give Piper milk on the daily, it's like, you would think it's like Mountain Dew, the way that she drinks. It's just like, like thing is down. And so Emma's reaching for this milk and she almost reaches it and Amber was in the kitchen cooking and she turns around and she goes, oh no, 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 Emma. She goes, that's, uh, that's spoiled milk. 
and she grabs it and she pulls it away. But if you know anything about kids not getting what they want and Emma reaching for her pink sippy cup, when Emma didn't get what Emma wanted, World War III ensued, okay? Like, it, so it's like, here's the scene, okay? Emma, like on her tippy toes, reaching for this pink sippy cup. Amber going, no, 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 Emma. Reaching for it, swipe. Emma. <sighs> right, like tears, screaming, right? Like, it didn't matter to Emma in that moment that the milk was spoiled. Why? Because Emma wanted what Emma wanted when Emma wanted it. And Amber, being like the good mom that she is, like, she's like going to the fridge, like getting a fresh bottle, and she's like holding another, like, she has five kids. She's like a wonder woman, literally, okay? And so she's like, has another baby on her hip, and so she's like talking to me about something, like bouncing a baby, and she's like, Emma, like, I'll get you another milk. And to Emma, it doesn't matter at this point. Like, Emma's over here like, my pink sippy cup, right? And she's like losing it. And I'm just sitting back as the uncle, right? Going like, this is awesome, right? Like this is, this is an incredible moment. And this is like pre-kids for me. So I'm like, yeah, no, have kids, they said. It'll be fun, they said, right? Like you knock yourself out, sis, right? And so she's getting her this like new milk and Emma's like losing her mind going like, I wanted what I wanted when I wanted. Have you ever drank spoiled milk before? Like it's not, I'm not talking about like on purpose, right? You're not like, oh, spoiled milk, <laughs> Like it is Thursday, right? Like that's not what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about like on accident, right? Like you open up the fridge and you just like pour that bowl of cereal, like you're doing your, it's like 2 a.m., right? Like you've been gaming for a while, like and you eat that cereal and you take a bite and you're like, it's like you have to take another bite, right? <laughs> like, like the first bite was like the, like that was kind of off. And then the second bite is like, oh, and then you all, you do the like, the, the, the smell test, you know what I'm talking about? Where you like go to the fridge and you're like, oh, and then like you instantly want, like that makes me want to vomit, like big time. Like I hate the smell of spoiled milk. So anybody who knows anything about anything is like, like I, I want to sit down with Emma and like reason with her and go like, homegirl, like you don't want that. Like, trust me, you don't want that. You want what's better. But like in this moment, there's no reasoning with Emma. There's, there's no sitting down with her going like, look, Emma, let me tell you about your mom. She loves you. She's for you. She knows a lot more than you do. And she knows that if you drink that spoiled milk, like I can't sit and have this conversation with her. And then it dawned on me. Uh, I do that same thing all the time, right? Like that, that's me all the stinking time. I choose sin. Why? Because it feels good. It's fun. I want it right here, right now. Right? Like sin is fun. If it's not, you're probably doing it wrong. Okay? The only problem is it doesn't last. It doesn't fulfill. It doesn't satisfy. Right? And the Bible even goes as far as to say that the wages of sin is death. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, what sin pays in is death. And when Romans talks about death, it's not just like a physical death. It's an eternal separation. It's eternity apart from the God whose heart is for you, who pursues you. But the problem is that we all have that sin. We all have that brokenness. We all have that desire to satiate right here, right now, immediate gratification. But what if, friends, what if God wants to lessen how often you go back to your sin because he knows that it sucks your joy, it steals away your happiness? 
Right? Going back to my two nephews like with the toys, you ever seen two boys trying to play with one truck and gone, oh, that's so cute, look at them play. No, they're not happy, they're not experiencing joy. Right? Like God wants you, you to experience the deepest amount of joy, but he knows this, your deepest joy is gonna be found when you're living in his design. Why does he pursue Jonah? Why does he wanna pursue the Ninevites? Because God's heart is for them and his heart is for you and his heart is for me, but our sin stands between me and that God. And I just wanna close with this. If you're sitting here tonight going like, "Mm mm-hmm, for sure, I've heard it. I I got it, yep, sinners, I'm a sinner, I'm broken, yep, there's a God, Uh uh-huh, I get it. Friends, I, I grew up going to church. I grew up doing the camp thing. Right? My, my parents were missionaries. I, 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 like, I went to like Awana, right? Like is that still a thing? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Approved workmen, whatever, right? I don't know. I had like all the jewels. Like I I'd watched like Veggie Tales. I went to like, wow. Larry the Cucumber. Still, still hitting strong, okay? Like, I did it. I did the whole church thing, right? I went to a Christian school. I, I, I studied biblical and theological studies at, at Biola University. Like, I'm a pastor. Like, I, I get the whole church scene. But friends, here's, for most of my life, here's what I grew up believing. For most of my life, I grew up believing that to be a Christian meant that you lived a boring life, but you got heaven at the end. And to be a non-Christian meant to be, you got to have all the fun, right? Like my, my friends that I played sports with, like I grew up playing, playing sports my whole life, right? I'm a big sports fan, I played sports. All my friends that weren't Christians, I looked at them and I was like, they were the ones having the fun, right? They were the ones going to the parties, they were the ones like doing the, all the things, and I was like, oh man, like I, I legitimately remember saying this. I remember going like, if I wasn't a Christian, golly, the fun I could have. And I thought to my, like, to, live, to be a Christian, you gotta, be, you gotta live this boring life. You gotta go to church and you gotta like read your Bible and you gotta like sing these songs. You gotta listen, like, it, it's kind of boring, but at least you get heaven at the end. And to be a non-Christian, you get to have all the fun, but you go to hell. And to me, it was like, man, if the option's like heaven or hell, and we're talking about eternity here, I guess I choose heaven, but I'll be bored in the meantime. Friends, the only problem with that is this. This is the greatest story ever told about a God that pursues, that says, I want you to live life and life abundant. John 10.10, Jesus says, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, to lie and say that this life, you can go out and think your own thoughts, have whatever attitudes you want, thought, word, action, or deed that goes against his design, right? The very first deceit in the beginning was, did God really say it was one of doubt? Have fun, do whatever you wanna do. Jesus says the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that you might have life and life abundant. I'm so pumped to dive into this story this week, to look at Jonah's response, to see the people of Nineveh and their response, but I hope, friends, like I said at the beginning, don't miss the divine appointment that God has for you this week, that he wants to meet you, that God is a God that pursues, and he wants to pursue you this weekend. He wants to know you. He wants to spend time with you. Are you willing to make that appointment? Pray with me. God, thanks for tonight. 
God, thanks for such a rad place like Hume Lake Christian Camps, God, and just the beauty of this place that we can step outside these walls and see a winter wonderland, God, that you designed, that you spoke into existence. God, thank you for your word and just an incredible story, one continuous story of your pursuit of us through the person of Jesus. God, would you convict where you need to convict? God, would you soften our hearts? Would you give us eyes and ears to hear what you have for us, to see what you want to do in our lives this week? We love you. It's your name we pray.